Thank you for coming Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I am so excited to be here. In 2015, I founded the Queer Improv Show, Thank You for Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it, and it is now one of the longest-running queer improv shows in New York City. During this show, our storytellers share their coming out stories, and then our improvisers bring them to life. Our podcast is a little different. We still have a storyteller share their stories, but instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. And this episode is different because we are still recording during the COVID-19 pandemic while physically distancing, which means we are not in the same room or using our studio quality equipment. Uh, So the audio might be a little bit different than what you're used to, but we are all doing the best we can with what we have. And I am so excited about our guest here with me today, raised in Dallas, Texas to Malawi-born parents and now transplanted to North Carolina. And Jimily, he, him, and they, them pronouns, knows that study and appreciation are as, are as important as practice when it comes to music. When it comes to composition, and Jimily draws upon everything they've learned from the African pop beloved by their parents to his time in youth choir and later influences from 80s music and even contemporaries, now label mates, Big Thief. Lyrically, he delves deeply and thoughtfully into the human condition. From his own perspective, give or taker address the conflict between their faith and life as a trans person, as well as the hopeful victory of overcoming addiction. The following year, and Jim Lee released their reunion EP, which included orchestral reimaginings of select give or taker tracks by composer Daniel Hart, as well as vocals from Jay Sam, Sasami, and Lomelda. Last month, he also released his cover of Beverly Glenn Copeland's Ever New, which was the accompanying B-side to a TV on the radio cover helmed by Barty's Strange. And Jim Lee is the most recent signee to storied indie label 4AD, and their new single, Stranger, is out now. And Jim Lee, welcome. Howdy. How are you doing? I am, you know, I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. You know, we were talking earlier about (laughs) uh, Fruity Pebbles. Oh, my God. Such a good... Good, good treat. What other kind? What other cereals do you eat? Hmm. You know, I really think it might just be Fruity Pebbles. Mm. When I first met my girlfriend, like, we were hanging out once and she was like, do you want some Fruity Pebbles? And I was like, no, I am not <laughs> seven. And she was like, I'm going to have some. And I was like, um, can I have some? <laughs> and uh, ever since then, I've been like, okay, yeah, these are delicious. So I don't really eat any other cereal. I think it's like Fruity Pebbles. And then on the other side of the spectrum, I like to eat Raisin Bran mm. before a bike ride. Get that good raisin energy, I guess. Yeah. Wow. That it really is the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> I I love Fruity Pebbles. I also love, we talked about Cocoa Pebbles for a second. I also, um, there are two cereals, other cereals I love. Reese's Peanut Butter Puffs, or Reese's Peanut Butter Puffs, however people say it. Um, and then a cereal that I don't think exists anymore is the Rice Krispie Treat. <gasps> Do you know those? That's my favorite cereal. <laughs> I know. They are so, I can't find it anymore. Can you find it? I saw it at Walmart once, like five years ago. Oh. 
Um, I really think it needs to be special ordered. Okay. I haven't, I haven't looked online, which is probably my first mistake, but I can't find it in any store anywhere. And stores. it is so good. Wow. I love this. <laughs> I think about that cereal so much and just about how it's gone. <laughs> I, same. Oh my God. I love this. Same. Every grocery store I go in, I check to see if they have it. Yes. Because it's like, you never know. Oh, oh. If I ever see it at a grocery store, I will absolutely let you know. Oh my gosh. And ditto. <laughs> Same. I will. <laughs> okay, cool, and, cool. Okay. And when we get off this uh, interview, I'm going to check the internet because why I haven't done that yet. I think because I, I think I like am holding on to the hope that it's out there. And if I look, yeah. then I'll know. Because if it's on the internet, it's got to be like, I don't know, 20 bucks or 30 bucks or something weird for like five boxes and it's like okay well i guess i'll maybe i mean i'll get that but it would be nice to just like get one box for like the normal cereal price you know yeah well i will say if i do have to buy it in bulk i'll send you some (laughs) (laughs) let's go halfsies on this (laughs) yes absolutely i'm I'm there for that (laughs) amazing okay good um well i love that um all right so we all have multiple coming out stories multiple coming into our self stories um, and I invite you to share one of those with us. Yeah, don't mind if I do. So <clears throat> I think this is both a coming into and a coming out story. So um, let's see, about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I decided to, or I, I came out to my parents as trans, Um so to kind of backtrack a bit, I realized I was trans in like 2015, 2016, and um, I had a bunch of college roommates who were non-binary and trans, and I was like, oh, you know what? Like, I definitely am trans too. This is awesome. Um, and then I like came out to one of my siblings, and, you know, I didn't really need to come out to my buddies because everybody was also queer and trans. Um But I was like, well, I am definitely not coming out to my parents because the last time I came out to my parents uh, was when I was 18 and uh, I came out as a lesbian and it went really terribly because my mom is homophobic and my parents are super religious. And so it was pretty traumatic. So I was like hard pass on that. Um, So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to be trans and not tell my parents, you know, I didn't. Have, I don't have a, a particularly close relationship with my parents because of their homophobia, or rather, my mother's homophobia and my dad's like, I don't know, attempt to be like Switzerland, which does not work in scenarios like these. Um, the neutrality there. So, um, so I was like, yeah, I'll just not come out to my parents. But then, in twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen, I decided to start taking testosterone, and at that point, I was like, hmm perhaps I may have to come out to my parents at some point. And so for like the next couple of years, I A, didn't, and B, like when I would call them on the phone, I would like attempt to disguise the depth of my voice by being like, hey, mom, how's it going? And it began to feel really farcical. And um, I was like, okay, this isn't really working for me. And then last year, um, I put out an an album 
with this small indie label called Father Daughter Records. And it was my first time putting out an album on a label with like a like a publicist and like a um like a bio writer and all this stuff and a lot of the album is just about my experience as a trans person, my experience as a recovering alcoholic, um me reckoning and I guess unpacking my spirituality. And um I was like, yeah, you know, I'm out as trans and now I'm going to be out as trans in this public indie sphere, uh, this like indie, indie independent music world. Um, so I was like, okay, if this, if anything happens with this record where it gets like some decent press, my parents are going to read about me declaring my trans identity. And I would rather not, you know, in my head, I was like, well, I'd rather not have them hear about this from like Rolling Stone or something. Ha ha ha. As if. Um, but then I, the record did get really good press and Rolling Stone and NPR music and the Guardian and all that jazz. And so, um, I was like, okay, let me just, uh, let me just come out to my parents here. And so my therapist and I spent months trying to like, or rather I spent months with my therapist trying to figure out how to share this information with my parents. And we settled on a handwritten letter. So <clears throat> I wrote my parents a like seven page letter coming out as trans. And I was like, listen, love you both very much. And I want you to know that I am a trans person. For me, that means that I don't, I don't, I, I don't identify with the gender that I was assigned at birth. And, um, my pronouns are he, him, and they, them. Um, and here are some resources, www.mykidisgay.com, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, you know, this is, has truly nothing to do with you. I am very happy. And I just wanted to share this information with you because I care about you both. And I wanted to be honest. And, um... Yeah, I sent that letter along and maybe like two months later, after radio silence, I got an email from my dad and he was like, hey, I got your letter. Um, I thought there might be something up with that. And I just want you to know that um, I love you and it seems like you're really happy and like, you know, God doesn't make mistakes. And I'm really happy for you. And I was like, wow, that is wonderful. And I heard nothing from my mom. So that was part one. Part two, the unraveling. So my sibling has a partner who is trans. And my sibling and this partner are getting married. And they, you know, shared this information with my parents. And my dad was like, that's great. Congratulations. And my mom went buck wild, off the rails, transphobic. In addition to just being like, um, really, I would say, um, what's the word? I would describe her reaction as acidic, uh, caustic, unsupportive, um, Confusing because it also included a lot of religious um, 
I'll say full on nonsense. And, um, and she said all this whack shit to my sibling. So, and then my sibling, you know, screenshotted this information to me. So I texted my mom and I was like, Hey, that's not cool. Like you can't treat us like shit. Um, and she said some more horrible shit to me and then I blocked her number and then I screenshotted that conversation to my dad and I was like, listen, your wife sucks. I didn't say, I'm paraphrasing now. I was like, your wife fucking sucks. And, um, you also suck, uh, for basically like condoning this by not like having any reaction to any of this stuff that's happening. And he emailed me back and he was like, Hey, you know, I, I don't agree with, you know, what your mother said. And I was like, I appreciate that. But at this point, it's actually not enough to, to not agree. Like either you are, standing up for your children or you're condoning the, um, what's, what's the word? The, <clears throat> family busting? That's not a word. Uh, behavior of your wife, AKA my mom. <laughs> and I was like, I can't talk to either of you. Um, because I am too, I'm getting too old for this shit. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was maybe that, that conversation happened maybe like six months ago. And so, you know, for maybe the second time in my adult life or the third time, my parents are not a part of my life. Um, you know, especially my mother and this shit has fucking sucked. And... I feel as though at at last I have nothing to hide and nothing to be ashamed of, I guess. Like I felt shame about like not being honest with my parents about my identity um, because I had a hunch that it wasn't going to go over well and it didn't. And I feel good knowing that I have, you know, you know, shared like an important part of my identity with my parents. I've stood up for myself. I don't tolerate being treated like shit from anybody. Not even, you know, my mother. And I feel like I have established my stance, my personhood, and my boundaries. And um, that's all I can really do. And it feels very... liberating there's also a great deal of grief to know that um i have no interest or desire in in changing either of them uh and changing their opinions or, or at least attempting to do so um because they are adults and i'm actually not a teacher um and i don't want to and they both have their own life experiences and their own traumas and their own histories that inform their behavior and they've made their bed 
and they shall lie in it, and I shall do the same, and yeah, even though, like I said, this shit sucks, I will say that I sleep pretty fucking well at night. The end. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And also, you have the most calming, (laughs) amazing voice. (laughs) I was like, you know, I was, it was an interesting feeling to embody because I was like very much invested in what you're saying. And it's so powerful what you're sharing, but the, your voice, I was like, I'm going to like doze off, but like not, (laughs) not in a board way, but in a, it's so calming, relaxing way. Anyways. No, I know um, what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, again, thank you so much for sharing. Um, I can't imagine that it's easy to share. Um, Or at some point, maybe it became easier. Um, But it is, you know, families are so, so challenging. And I think one of the, one of the scariest things for LGBTQ people is going to their family and telling them their truths and like not knowing what the reaction is going to be. And I think that's what keeps people from, from sharing a lot of the time. Yeah. That shit's scary. I think, especially for younger folks. Yeah. If I was like, I don't know if I was a teenager, if I was a trans teenager, I would not have come out to my parents as trans. Um, I wouldn't trust that they wouldn't kick me out or some shit, you know? Yeah. Um, and like, and a lot of times in my life, my parents have been like, you know, what can we do to like help you to like help your mental health? And I'm like, educate yourself on the LGBT community because you don't know anything and you're not helping by continuing to know nothing. Like you've got a queer kid, get the fuck with it. Yeah, seriously, get get the fuck with it. And something <laughs> something something you said was, um, I, you're like, I'm actually not a teacher, and I don't want to. And I think so so often, people expect queer and trans people to educate them on identity and to give everything of themselves, so the straight cis person can feel comfortable. Um, and yeah. it's it's not the queer and trans person, queer and or trans person's job to do that because, like you said, you're not a you're not a teacher and you shouldn't have to be. Yeah, and like you know, sometimes I do want to teach somebody something, mm-hmm. but mostly I don't. Yeah. So I don't, and I'm also like literally like I really feel like some people just have like the space in their hearts to teach other people shit yeah and um i'm glad that those folks exist Ben, i am just not one i'm not one of them yeah i am um, i i am one of those people <laughs> i my full-time job is uh at an organization where we cash at we te- we work with jewish institutions on lgbtq inclusion and so i'm literally you know 40 hours a week if i'm not actually in a workshop teaching, I'm creating resources or having consultations or answering questions and emails or on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, I just am about to finish five years. I'm actually leaving Cachette, but it takes a toll to, you know, I do, it's like, it's, for me, it's like a balance of, um, and I'm curious if this translates to you and your music, but it's a balance of, it's my job 
to actually teach you 40 Mm -hmm. hours a week. I get paid to do that. But then when I'm outside of that window of time, because people know that's my job, they expect me to always be teaching them 24 seven. And that I had this one person on Facebook reach out to me. You know, I hadn't, I had not talked to him in over a decade and he reached out and was like, I need you to not, not even like a please or like a, how you've been doing, but like, I need you to teach me about trans identity. What? And, and I was like, it was, yeah, that was my reaction. I was like, what in the hell? <laughs> I was like, I don't owe you anything. And he's like, you're a teacher. I was like, I get paid for the work I do. Even when I'm a con- consultant, I get paid. I'm not just going to take like, it was absolutely ridiculous. That's buck wild. Yeah, it really was. Uh, but, you know, it's, you know, what people expect from people, especially from queer and trans people, people of color, you know, to mind, like marginalized identities. It's like, you teach us. If you want us to help you, you have to do the work. It's like, okay, but pay us. <laughs> right? I can't believe that. That's so freaking weird it was so weird why would anybody do that like the level of entitlement and the Mm -hmm. lack of self-awareness it's just like i really feel like the people that do the most the people like or not the people that cause the most harm but like the most harm is caused when people lack self-awareness um and aren't aware that they're hurting other people it's like, yeah. what the fuck, man? Come on. Well, why would you ever? I feel like that guy probably treated his teachers like shit. God. <laughs> In the school. Know. Like, yeah. what kind of shit is that? Yeah. It was Ooh. really, really ridiculous. But it's, you know, I, I wish that more people would take it upon themselves to, to educate themselves. And, and you know, and, and honestly, if I'm approached in a nice way as you know if it's like and also if it's a friend or a family yeah. member like I'm so happy to help but I also a lot of times I'll be like have you googled this just because like <laughs> there are some things where I'm like I could I could take the time and explain this to you but <laughs> maybe google it first and then if you have questions I'm happy to talk it through with you <laughs> yeah I think that that is really appropriate because like Google exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, I don't know. I don't know other people's Google habits, but I actually literally will Google anything. Mm-hmm. Like I will Google entire entire sentences that are just opinions. Like, why is John Travolta's head so wide now? <laughs> or something like that. Just to see if other people have also had that thought. Or like, why is Benedict Cumberbatch's face shaped like a foot? Um, <laughs> No on John Travolta, but yes on Benedict Cumberbatch. Wow. Um, but yeah, I'll do <laughs> everything. And so it's like when I when I don't understand like some discourse, I'll like hit Google and you know, a lot of times it's like Twitter it'll be like stuff on Twitter that I'm like, I've never heard of this ever in my life. Mm-hmm. So I'll Google it and like sometimes some information will come up to elucidate the topic and like sometimes it won't, but like I just feel like it's a really underutilized resource for people who are like, what are trans people talking about? It's like, Mm -hmm. well, have you Googled it? You can really (laughs) Google what are trans people talking about if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. 
Like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's like, and I, yeah, totally. And I, I try to balance, like, I'm so excited and happy that they want to learn and they want to do the right thing. And also sometimes I'm just like burnt out, like as fuck. Like I just like need a minute to not, to not. And I, and what I will say is I do appreciate the people who will say, I have some questions. Do you have the space to have this conversation with me versus like just X, Y, Z. And it's like, you know, having that kind of like consent beforehand is, it's like a game changer. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I love when people ask me if I have the capacity for stuff before they get into it. Cause I'm like, I, I feel like a lot of times for me, even just like the, qu- the question makes me feel more like, I don't know, energized or something. Mm-hmm. Just instead of them, so that I'm like, I may not have capacity for this right now, but this is something that I like want to participate in at some point. Like, it's because you asked in a cool way. Like, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm much, I, I'm much more, you know, on board with, you know, not right now, but later if I have that consent. I didn't even know that you could. So it feels like this is so sad, but I didn't even know you could set boundaries in that way. Mm. until like within the last five years i just yeah. thought oh if someone asks something of you you have to do it and then learning that that's not true um <laughs> is life-changing <laughs> that's what's up yes yeah um i love uh i love the idea that you are just like sleeping better and there's no shame and that you can just kind of exist in the world that's such a nice feeling I'm happy for you. Yeah, it's it's really uh, such a um, interesting experience to be holding such grief and such, like, I guess, yeah, joy um, in equal yeah. measure. Uh, yeah, it's pretty wild, but yeah, I sleep like a fucking baby. <laughs> um, my girlfriend calls it one, two, three sleep because I'll like get in bed and just close my eyes and then I'm asleep wow. or if we're like, I'll like fall asleep mid conversation if we're talking and she's like, Hey, and I'm like, babe, I'm sleeping. You <laughs> 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 missed your window. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, it's good for my soul and that's why I have done it. Otherwise I would not have done it. Yeah. This is hard. It is really hard. What, what did it feel like to have to, um, well, first of all, congrats on all the press. Thank you. That's nice. That's <laughs> nice. And <laughs> what did it feel like to kind of, and, and correct me if this is not how you see it, but the way that I heard it was almost like a, um, like a, like a push, a push that you like kind of had to, to come out. What did that feel like? Yeah. I mean, it felt like. It was kind of nerve wracking, but it was definitely like a like a choice I made, like because when I was talking with the label, first of all, they were like, "Hey, so this is your bio and your brand. Like, you don't have to talk about anything related to your gender identity or your spirituality or your recovering alcoholism." And I was like, "Yeah, no, I'd like to talk about all that stuff." 
because they were like briefing me for interviews. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you don't have to talk about any of this. And I was like, yeah, I'll talk about it. I don't care. Um, and I just, I would just, yeah, I'm a, um, like I am a private person, but, um, I also don't have a problem sharing shit like this because it just feels very, I, maybe I just have a lot of experience sharing this type of shit and it seems like it helps other people. And, um, it's, it's like a little bit therapeutic for me and yeah. So, so, so learning from the label that I had like the choice, I was like, well, yeah, I definitely want to be out because, you know, I could have used an out queer black person when I was, you know, a youth discovering music. Um, and so it was like, a, it was like a push, but it was like a, it was kind of the push I was looking for. Cause I, cause you know, I wasn't, you know, sure at all that we, the record was going to get any press, but I was like, just in case. And then when the press, um, like inquiries started coming in, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> like my dad definitely listens to NPR every day of his life. Mm. So he's going to hear this. And, and at that point I was like, well, I would prefer that they hear it from me instead yeah. of, uh, the internet. Cause I feel like that'd be kind of weird. Yeah. And so it was like, I think it was like the push that I, that it was a push that felt good to me because it was something I had been wanting to do, but also not wanting to do yeah. for years. So, yeah. Yeah. How, since you, um, I'm losing my word. Sorry. You, um, sorry, remind me which, which is the album that talks about your, your trans identity and was like a real, which one was that? Sorry. The record is called Give or Taker. Give or Taker. Thank you. Have you, what has the reception been with like fans and listeners? Have people been reaching out to you saying like, I see myself because you said I could have used a queer black person growing up. Right. This is why I do the work that I do too, of like, I wish that I knew a Jewish trans person. Yeah. That's why I try to be as visible. So have people been reaching out to you saying like, Oh my gosh, I see myself in you. I see myself in your songs. How has that been? Yeah, that, that has, that has been the case since the record came out. I think, um, what year is it? It's 2021. Came out September 2020. And since then, a lot of stuff has happened in my career. But one of the nicest things has been just like getting really sweet DMs on Instagram from like adults mm-hmm. and like teens that are like, hey, um, thank you for being trans. Like, I just thank you. Or just like folks like relating to lyrics and like relating their queerness to mine. And I've just gotten a lot of really sweet messages from a lot of queer and trans people. And it's like, not something that I thought, I mean, I just never have experienced anything like that before or anticipated that. And so it's been really fucking awesome. Like, yeah, it's just been like, and yeah, just like some like really sweet emails. Like this guy was like, "Hey, like my 
one of my siblings is trans and like I've been like trying to like learn more about trans folks and like it's been like something of like a learning experience for me but like listening to your music has like helped me like with empathy and like understanding and I was like good (laughs) (laughs) um good (laughs) yeah so I think like I think it's like a tender record and I think anything that helps people feel things I'm all for that (laughs) yeah absolutely I love I love that you get sweet notes and messages that's nice it's really quite nice I think it's my favorite part of the whole thing Mm, I love that. There have been there have been some moments um, throughout my like time building. Thank you for coming out and having all these interviews and doing live shows and such. Where because I've been doing this on top of having a full time job, and so sometimes like the burnout point is very easy to a- attain. <laughs> and so there will be moments where I'm like, I can't do this anymore, and then it just every time. I don't know how this happens, but I get an incredible email or a DM um, saying like, you know, they see themselves in this a podcast episode or they found themselves or found a word to use um, they, to, and they finally like see themselves. You know, it's like one of those moments where it's like, oh, this is why I do what I do. And it's so important. But then um, that's also it's also what drives all the work I do is like, you know, to know that it's impacting people. Yeah. <sighs> that's so nice yeah um i think so so speaking of rolling stone i actually pulled a quote from an interview that you had um because uh, i would i love to talk to you about sobriety if that's okay yes let's um, go so the quote uh was being in recovery and getting sober completely transformed my life in an almost preposterously positive way um, mm-hmm. and I'd love to know kind of some of the, like what, and like how I, I stopped drinking. I'm sober a year and a half yesterday. Um, oh, congratulations. thank you. And so I, I've only had actually a few conversations, actually mostly on this podcast with other guests, um, about sobriety. And so I'm always just really interested in, to hear and to connect with other people about this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the real, real. Yeah, my life has improved in a preposterously positive way. And I I think a part of it just has to do with the fact that, um, like, I'm an alcoholic. And so my drinking affected my life in a preposterously negative way. And it's something that caused me to, like, leave, like, stop going to school, stop going to classes, just, like, this is like a terrible friend and partner and just like not doing any work on myself because my entire life, I think my drinking career lasted maybe like seven years. And the last three years were spent like drinking constantly, um, like morning, noon and night. Um, and so it really became a full-time job. And so I didn't do really anything else. And, um, so I, I went to rehab in 2016 and yeah, at the time I, I went to rehab, I was like, 
you know, I was not doing well. I was like emaciated and like just really sick because I was hungover all the time. I had started like hallucinating regularly. Um, and it was just a fucking dark chapter. And I, um, I remember like getting to the hospital and like, I was like, okay, well this sucks. Cause it wasn't my first time being hospitalized for alcoholism at that point or what was, uh, alcohol poisoning, hospitalizations for suicidal ideation, like a couple of, there had been a number of psych hospital visits um, where I would stay at these hospitals for like a week or so and like start to feel better and then leave the hospitals and like immediately start drinking again. So my relationship to alcohol is really unsafe and I was putting my life in danger every day of my life for years. And so um, once I got sober, I had a lot of time on my hands because I wasn't drinking anymore and I brought my guitar to rehab and I started basically like singing again. And um, I think music has always for me like been a, have been like a, I've had, I've had like a therapeutic relationship to music. Um, And in rehab, I was going to actual therapy, which was great. And then on top of that, you know, I had this relationship with my guitar and with music and, and songwriting and, and processing that way. And I started to like rediscover who I was basically, or like kind of rebuild who I was. Cause I was like, I don't really like who I've been acting like at all, but I do love myself and I need to get my shit together and stop hurting myself and other people. Um, cause it's a goddamn mess. And then, yeah, I got sober. I started going to like recovery groups and I think, um, I would describe my, I would describe my rock bottom as like, I feel like I hit it so hard that I bounced up pretty quick. Mm. I feel like there was a trampoline at the bottom of it. And like within a couple of weeks of, of not drinking, like I started to like like the fog started to lift and I was like, okay, like I have a personality and I have like likes and dislikes and I have like a lot of issues and I have like, there are actually things about myself that I, that I do like. And I had absolutely forgotten that. I just had like no concept of self-love while I was drinking. And so like rebuilding that has been a big part of my recovery and so I think one of the preposterously positive things about my recovery is that I like really love myself and like really make an effort to do loving things for myself. Like I care about myself a lot and I didn't for a long time. And it feels really nice to care about myself a lot. And so like that, it that just makes my life so much better and um yeah in recovery they were like hey like what if you helped other people i was like why would i do that (laughs) so (laughs) i started like helping other people and like i got a 
I got a I got a job in the service industry and like I started like, you know, being of service in my free time and um was like, oh, this actually feels really good. Okay. And yeah, my life today is like being sober is fucking weird. <laughs> um and like let's see I'm oh my god, I'm gonna be six years sober next month. Wow, congrats. Holy shit. Oh no. Okay. That's good. That is good. But wow. So yeah, sobriety is fucking weird because now I'm like dealing with regular problems instead of like alcoholic problems. Um, and I'm just like still learning how to be an adult and stuff, but like the universe has blessed me in a wild way. Like my job, something that I wanted, I think for my whole life was to just be an artist and make art and spend my time around art and with people who make art and have that be my work. And now that is exactly what I had to do for my job. And like, that's fucking nuts. And it was when I like kind of let go of, I don't know. Like when I, when I went to rehab, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do except for take care of myself and we'll see how it goes. And that's kind of still the, the modus operandi, operandi, I guess. Um, and yeah, doing the next right thing feels good. And yeah, I don't know. Good things. I'm like the good things happen in my life and that's cool. I don't really know why, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna question that. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So I have a fucking. I live in North Carolina now. My partner rules. We've been together for like three years. Like, I get to ride my like gay little bicycle every day. Like, and my job is to be a musician, and that was my dream for my whole life. So, I would describe that as like a preposterously positive outcome. Uh, to sobriety like I'm signed to the label I'm signed to is like a label of, that I've been obsessed with for at least the last decade wow and it's like holy shit now I'm making a record with these folks so yeah kind of living the dream that's amazing congrats thank you I have a, I have a question and I don't know, I'm trying to think of what the, how to ask it. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll just ask it and then you can set a boundary if you don't want to share. Um, yeah. Actually, why don't I start with a personal anecdote and then invite you to share if it resonates. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I, I stopped drinking a year and a half ago. And um, before that I had been drinking pretty nonstop, not in the way that, um, how you described like all day and night, every day for seven years, mine was more, um, I started when I was like 14 and just would binge drink as many nights as I could until I was 35 or 36. And, um, and so I also was in a constant state of hangover. Um, and, I, I realized once I, once I, I mean, I, I kind of knew it in my gut 
this whole time. And then once I stopped drinking and then like, you know, it was like uh, the fog was lifting and I had like started to discover things. I realized yeah. like, so much of my drinking was because of um, being afraid of like queer identity and being scared of being trans and um, just like feeling overwhelmed by holding marginalized identities. Yes. And like I, I started tea. So I stopped drinking June 1st, 2020 and I started tea July 6th, 2020. And I think it was, they're very (laughs) much related. Um, And so I say all of that because I wonder if, if you know, or if, or you don't know, or want to share, or don't want to share if, if drinking was also maybe related to identity in some way. Absolutely. I think like, I think that, I think that like, I think I, I, was, I feel like I'm, I, I feel like one of those folks who was born an alcoholic. And so there's that, but also like when I would drink, like I was escaping, I was drinking to escape my feelings and my feelings were, you know, obsessively swirling around my, yeah, my discomfort with my transness and my queerness. And like the first time I came out as trans to a buddy, I was drunk. I was like, I think I'm trans. My buddy was like, cool. You know, like I was, I wasn't really accepting of of those identities. There's a lot of internalized, I think, homophobia and transphobia within me and like a lot of fear, just like a lot of queer phobia growing up in a queer phobic household. And so my drinking was always based on attempting to quell my fear and anxiety, large or small. And in the background of that was always the things about my identity that felt uncomfortable to me, like my like my queerness and just like feeling like I had to hide it from my parents and like feeling like I, you know, just the age old, like not fitting in. Um, that was something that I felt very acutely and attempted to like, always attempted to numb by drinking, especially if I was like going out or something to like a queer space. I was like, there is no way I'm going to be able to do this sober. Like I have too much anxiety. Um, and fear about operating within this space that I feel like I am a part of even. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Sorry yeah. if I, I asked in a really roundabout <laughs> kind of way, but. No, I um, feel like that was pretty, I feel like that was pretty clear. Okay, cool. Um, so what I, now I, I really would love to know Hmm. how it feels like to sign with a record label that you've been obsessed with for a decade. Like really how it feels. Well, do you listen to Kendrick Lamar at all? I don't. Mm-mm. So let's see. What record was this on? Oh, he put out a record called Damn. And I think either 2017 or 2018. And each track is like, yeah, whatever. One of the tracks is called God. And the chorus is like, this is what God feels like. 
laughing to the bank, like, aha. Flex on swole, like, aha. And that is what it feels like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It feels great. Um, I am so excited. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I feel kind of like fancy, not fancy, but like, like, my like there's there's like an there's like an ecosystem around the art the artist and Jim Lee now there's like a or rather there's like an infrastructure now there's like like before you know I was in college writing songs whatever started an Instagram playing shows in Boston and now I have like management and uh, this quite large indie and like just like all of like like booking and these are just kind of all things that i've i don't know i just i kind of can't believe this is happening because i guess like i also never really thought that anybody would give a shit about my music like ever and that's not because i don't like i think it's good i like it but <laughs> I didn't. I don't have that expectation of other people. <laughs> mm. So it's wild to me that it's still kind of wild to me that other people listen to my music. I'm trying to like kind of shift that, <laughs> but um, yeah. I just I didn't. It feels surreal because I did not foresee a future in which other people would be interested in listening to music that was made by me. Especially because like as a kid, like that was like. All I wanted to do was like listen to music. I mean, I guess that's still true now, but like musician was like, I was like, wow, like, well, that wouldn't that be like the best thing ever to be like a musician? <laughs> and like, um, you know, years ago I was like, yes, I am a musician. And now I'm like a musician who is like getting, getting to check off some very specific goals that I've been working towards for for the last couple couple of years maybe yeah the last while so feels really fucking awesome i'm so pumped yeah that's amazing i'm so happy for you that's just Thank you. what what an incredible accomplishment i just that's amazing it's really fun also to be like uh like i was in la uh last week and i'll be in la next week for a couple weeks doing some work and like it's fun to see to see what what types of to see what goes on in the in some areas of the music industry it's just uh it's fun to see it's kind of like watching a movie almost Mm, cool it's and also like you know la is weird (laughs) yeah so yeah i just feel like i'm um i've got a front row seat to a very very interesting show yeah nice (laughs) what uh are you recording new music or what kinds of work are you doing when you're in la or or if you're not in liberty to discuss that's also legit (laughs) I, i don't i guess i am at liberty to discuss but I I think I want to keep it a darn secret. Okay. Um, we'll talk about it off the record. (laughs) 
deal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah, Los Angeles, baby. <laughs> yeah, I love LA. There was a moment in my time a few years ago where I was like very positive I was going to move there. And then I got a, a promotion at work that was like New York specific. Oh, and wow. I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to stay here. <laughs> ah. But uh, LA is its own beast for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm not used to it. <laughs> I'm staying in Hollywood mm. um, off the boulevard. And I didn't realize that the boulevard was because I just never spent a lot of time there. I didn't realize how, how what was this like Times Square? Mm hmm. Yeah, it's been really interesting. A lot of interesting stuff. Yeah, is that where all the handprints are? Um, I, I, I think you get somewhere else. You know, I haven't seen the handprints, but I've seen there's like all the stars. Oh, oh yeah. What, are, what am I thinking of handprints? Yeah, the no, stars there's, there's, also, names, there's right? also handprints too. Like, oh, okay, but I don't know. I'm sure they're also on the boulevard, but I haven't seen them yet. Got it. Cool. Well, I got to brush up on my LA stuff. Um, (laughs) So are there, um, if you could give your younger self a piece of advice, what, what would you say? (sighs) What would I say? Hmm. I think I would just say very vaguely. Um, I don't know if this is advice. Well, I guess, no, that's not advice. Hold on. Okay. I was going to say you're going to be okay, but I'm not sure if that's advice. So let me think, let me think it over again. Yeah, I guess I would say um, my advice for teen Jimily would be to take care of your heart. Um, if something doesn't feel right, maybe look into that and trust that. If something doesn't feel right in relationship and friendship and familial familial relationships, trust um. Trust that and give yourself space to maybe, yeah, let, let your heart lead, lead that, lead, lead the choices you make instead of, um, whatever I was doing as a teen. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Lead with your heart. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I hate to do this, but we are, I, I need to shift us to our lightning round of questions. All right. I love uh, lightning. Amazing. So the first two seasons, most of the, all of these questions were very binary and I got a lot of loving feedback. So now they are mostly (laughs) (laughs) open-ended except one. I couldn't get rid of it. Um, And again, these are all just for fun. Whatever comes to mind, uh, just let us know. So the first one is if you could name your own crayon, what would you name it? My own crayon? Mm -hmm. The first thing that came to mind was black lightning. Ah, and it, it is crayon that is like striped black and yellow. Ooh, well, I love that. <laughs> I, would, I would color with that. <laughs> uh, favorite time of day? Morning. Queer, uh, favorite current queer media representation? 
That's a good fucking question. Thank you. I guess I'm going to, well, mm. <laughs> I'm going to say the artist Shamir. Um, just a really great, incredibly queer indie artist who has been dropping some fire new music lately. Yeah. Amazing. Um, okay. A song that makes your heart soar. Oh no. Oh no. The first thing that came to mind was send me on my way by rusted root oh my goodness <laughs> listen we, right. we like what we like um <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right favorite way to travel hmm bicycle <laughs> favorite quote favorite quote hmm I feel like I actually do have a favorite quote. Let me think. Mm. Hmm. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I guess um, my favorite quote is <laughs> from my girlfriend. <laughs> we were like hanging out. I think we had been like watching TV for like an extended period of time. And I was like, my eyes hurt. And she was like, well, stop looking at stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my favorite quote. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. I mean, that makes sense. yeah Uh, all right bagels or donuts donuts oh interesting yeah because bagels is the right answer i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) i've only had like maybe two good bagels in my life i guess that makes sense you know being raised in texas and living in north carolina next time and you know what and next time i imagine you're going to be in new york at some point yeah I've never had a bagel. i had a bagel so i lived in boston but i never had a good bagel there no i, I had the best bagel in new jersey okay interesting game changer um, uh, new york Got yeah it. new york is the place to get bagel okay. um i guess because new jersey's adjacent but you're in (laughs) let's make a pinky swear that the next time you're in new york and you have time please let me take you for a new york bagel yeah okay hell yeah yeah nothing nothing brings me more pleasure than gifting bagels to people Um, this has been such a lovely conversation thank you so much for being so open and for sharing so um so deeply and wisely uh, it was really such a pleasure thank you yeah it's always great to chat like yeah thank you for having me yeah of course and and where can folks find you on social media anything else you want to plug or that we should know about yeah um you can find me um on instagram at anjimily it's a-n-j-i-m-i-l-e um i do weird tweets on twitter at anjimily music um from on spotify at angemily and um you can find upcoming tour dates at angemily.com 
I'm actually going on tour in April with um, this indie folk artist called Hooray for the Riff Raff. Um, we'll be headed, you know, across the U.S. and also I think a little bit of Canada. So, yeah, any kind of like I think every major city we're kind of hitting that month. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, definitely check it out. I'll tag you in the posts. Uh, so then people will know, can click on you to find you. Um, thanks so much. And thank you for coming out. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you for coming out. Hey, everyone. It's your host, Dubs Weinblatt. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please do so so you don't miss an episode. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps. And we want to hear from you. We want to know your coming out story. Head on over to Thank You For Coming Out's Instagram page, at Thank You For Coming Out, and click the link in our bio. There's a form there where you can submit your coming out story, either anonymously or with your name. And you could have the chance to hear your story read out on the Thank You For Coming Out podcast. We're so happy that you're part of our community, and we want you to know that your story matters. Thank you for coming out.